This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. In this Truth and Movies, Jennifer Lawrence gets Bolshe in Cold War Ballet Intrigue, Red Sparrow. Fantastic Woman, Daniela Vega lost in translation in Chilean drama of gender and identity and Die Hard as Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams stage a board meeting with a difference in game night. All that plus King of New York walking in the Big Apple with this week's film club. It's Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. And today's Truth and Movies features the vocal talents of David Jenkins. Hi there. Hello, David. And also Elena, Elena Lazic. Hello. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well, I haven't seen you in ages. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you've just come back from Berlin. Yes, I was there for the festival for a week. So I right. didn't see Isle of Dogs, but I saw quite a bunch of films. Did you see Hannah uh, Woodhead there? Yes, I did. Okay, because she was raving out. about... Oh, you did? Oh, nice. Yeah, she was raving about Isle of Dogs last mm. week here on Truth and Movies. What did you see that you were particularly blown away by? I don't know if there were many films that I was really blown away by. I was more kind of pleasantly surprised by the general level of the films, except the films in competition, which I thought were most of them quite bad. Oh, really? Yeah. What about the prize winner? I thought that was the worst film I saw. It's called Touch Me Not, and my review... Touch Me Lot? Touch Me Not. Oh, Touch Me in, Not. Do not touch big, me. Big difference there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, I really didn't like this film, and most people I know didn't either. And my review will be up on the website very soon. Crikey, is it scathing? Yes. All right. So why do you think it won the prize? What's it? Sorry, what oh, is it, first of all? Uh, it's a movie where you have a woman and she has problems with intimacy. Like, she doesn't like touching people. So basically, like, she tries to get over that by having therapy sessions. And what's really cringe about the film is you have these fake therapy sessions shown for the film. And I just, I can't get past that, first of all. But also there are just loads of, like, really problematic things where with people with disabilities that are just shown on screen talking about their disabilities. And then you also have people with, like, mental disabilities who cannot give their consent obviously and it's just really really horrible but the film is also really shallow about like oh sexuality is it weird so it just recreates the taboos around sex and nudity that if you're going to the Berlinale if you watch outhouse films you do not have taboos around sex so it's just really weird because you watch it like okay I know there's nothing shocking about sex why are you Mm. making a two-hour movie about that it's just like quite infuriating crikey (laughs) you've been up to Glasgow meantime David Yes, I had a charming time in Glasgow. Did you? One of the things I was up there for, which was super fun actually, was there was a screening of the film Dawn of the Dead Hmm. by our old friend George A. Romero. And it was um, held in a um, shopping centre with 
with zombie actors oh. milling about, <laughs> um, making kind of groaning How noises. How could you tell? Uh, <laughs> exactly. It's the consumerist nightmare writ large. Um, right. But yeah, they do loads of kind of fun things like that. Apparently, like a few nights previous to that, they did organise a screening of Die Hard hmm. in the top floor of a tower block. Ooh. If you got the tickets for it, you'd go along and then they had a, a kind of New Year's party on the ground floor. And then, quote unquote, terrorists would like come in and take <gasps> you to the top. Right. You seem pretty shocked at that. Imagine if real terrorists had struck during that party, how confused everyone had been. And that's the premise of one of this week's movies. (laughs) It really is, yeah. It really is. But, you know, the Glasgow folks know what they're doing. It's a a cracking festival. All right. Here's a quick um, email. A lengthy one, actually. I say quick. It's actually a lengthy email from the numb waiter who touches on all sorts of things. Why Hannibal is better than Silence of the Lambs. I personally think Manhunt is better than both. Yeah, oh, I don't like Manhunter at all. Sorry. Oh, no no worries. No. That's the story for <laughs> I'm one of day. those people. Not even Brian Cox as Hannibal Lecter, which is surely the definitive oh, Hannibal God. Lecter. Really? I think it's, I don't know, I, I really love Michael Mann, like I love Heat and stuff, but I thought that movie was like, made me really, really reconsider. You love serial killer movies I as do. well. So. Really? But this I don't is... love that one at all. Yeah. I just What's your favourite serial killer movie? I mean, I think Science of the Lambs is actually up there. Uh-huh. I think it's amazing. Okay. Numb Waiter says... Hollywood loved Lambs as well. I gave it five Oscars. Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Actress and Best Director. The last film before Lambs to manage that feat was... Dot, dot, dot. Now Waiter would like us to fill in that blank. Do you know what the last film... My usual answer on any of these things is Terms of Endearment. I wonder if it might be <laughs> yeah. Terms of Endearment. Or Out of Africa. They're the, two, they're the two that I'm always like... People like them in the 80s, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, unless, Elena, you know the answer to that, do you? I do not. Sorry. Okay. So I'll just move on, Numbwaiter, to your next thing, which is a list of nominations for Film Club. Cool Hand Luke, in which Paul Newman plays a Christ-like character, says Numbwaiter. It's not a reading I've previously seen, but one that I'd be very happy to uh, you know, explore the film with. A True Romance, which I'd love to see again. Fire Walk With Me, which I'm quite happy not to see again. Eyes wide shut, ditto. I don't know how you feel. Elena, oh. there was a gasp there. You were um, a big fan of Fall. So I've not actually seen the first two, but I love Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. I think it's one of the best Christmas films and one of the well, best yeah, films. I mean, it's the perfect weather now. Perfect for Eyes, Eyes Wide, wide shut. shut. Is that a Christmas film? Yeah. Well, it's set at Christmas. Okay. And just, you know, the themes of uh, Sex hating parties. your wife and stuff like that. It's great. Okay. You know, anxiety. All right. Really good. This epic email continues. With the, a final point, the cinematic universe, Numbwaiter says, that I would most like to inhabit, because this was something that came up a couple of weeks ago, which movie you'd like to live in the world of. Numbwaiter says Boogie Nights or Buggy Night. Buggy Nights. Buggy Nights. Because right. we've been called out on a printer. What do you think about that, Elena? Well, I've, I've actually not seen Boogie Nights. This is something that people are really mad at me about. So basically so... he's saying that he wants to live in a world of hardcore pornography. Where after a lot of heady disco fun and some seriously hairy situations, nearly all the porn protagonists come out on top. <laughs> Oi. Says Numbwaiter. I'm not going to pass any comment on that no. at all. Do you have a movie that you would like to live in, David? I would like to live in the movie My Neighbour Totoro by Miyazaki, which is like a kind of kids' animation mm. film where there is kind of some scintilla of joy in the world. Okay. And, Equally, and little furry woodland creatures. I wouldn't mind being in a Brad Bird film. Oh. Yeah. Could be one of the Mission Impossible ones mm-hmm. or one of the rather charming animations that you used to knock out. The Iron Giant. I love The Iron Giant. Yes. It's quite but a stressful world. That <laughs> one is, yeah. I'd be maybe more towards the, the Incredibles than that. Uh, Elena? Um, 
I don't know, I can't really think no. of one. Okay, don't worry. Hey, if you'd like to take part in all this email fun, listeners, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com is the address. You can find us on Twitter at LWLies, or there's the Facebook page or the comment section on the Little White Lies website. Next, let's have a look at our first film of this week's releases. It is Red Sparrow. Red Sparrow, ballerina Dominica Egorova, played by Jennifer Lawrence, is recruited to Sparrow School, a Russian intelligence service where she's forced to use her body as a weapon. But her first mission targeting a CIA agent threatens to unravel the security of both nations. Here is Matron, played by Charlotte Rampling, explaining the lay of the land. From this day forward, you will become sparrows, weapons in a global struggle for power. Every human being is a puzzle of need. You must learn to intuit what is missing, become the missing piece, and they will give you anything. Take off your clothes. Your body belongs to the state. Since your birth, the state nourished it. Now the state asks something in return. You must learn to sacrifice for a higher purpose. Push yourself beyond all limitation and forget the sentimental morality with which you were raised. Okay, now, there's three of us here. Only one of us, Elena, has seen this film and it's Mm -hmm. you. Yep. Should us two, should David and I rectify that situation? I don't think it's a very good film. I think it's quite interesting, the things it tries to do and what it is. So first of all, you think it's going to be atomic blonde, so like really visual thrilling movie with spies and action scenes and there are a few action scenes but it's also just a two-hour 19-minute movie about spies and it's mostly about people talking and people like betraying each other and we never know whose side is she on is she with the russians or is she with the americans and it's a lot of uh, dialogue and it's a lot about her experience and what she's thinking and so it's really quiet and it's not like visually insane it just looks like russia uh-huh. So it's quite amazing to see Jennifer Lawrence like in those like landscapes with those buildings that look very Russian and not like in America or something. It's quite interesting. I assume from the name and the fact that Jennifer Lawrence was in it and she plays a, a Bolshoi ballerina that it would be yeah, something quite Yeah, it's quite, quite spectacular. It's, it's a very serious film. There's no moments of like comic relief. It's not, for example, one of those like ironic action films like Hitman's Bodyguard at all. It's like very, very serious. It feels quite old school actually in that mm-hmm. way. But what's interesting, I guess, is that it takes the position obviously of a woman, and it's a woman who's Russian. And when she gets recruited into that school, she's told that she has to sacrifice herself completely, and she manages to avoid that and to stand to not give herself over, mostly it's her body. So there's a lot of sexual violence in the first half of the film, which is quite upsetting and just kind of weird that we show it that way. But she manages, it's about this woman who basically, she is questioning whether she wants to save the Russians because of all those uh, notions of how she has to sacrifice herself. And it's obviously not fair, like the men don't have to sacrifice themselves in the same way. So it's quite interesting in that way, but it just kind of long and quite, like repetitive and boring because then it's like who does she betray does she betray him does she betray him and it's just a bunch of like reversals like this Mm. that are quite monotonous and you never really feel emotionally engaged with her which is kind of a shame because you feel like that would be what you want to do yeah sort of just Tinker Taylor Soldier Sparrow yes yeah pretty much I didn't have high hopes I must admit on account of the fact that the director is Francis Lawrence who worked with Jennifer 
Lawrence. Mm. No relation, I'm thinking. No, I checked. <laughs> okay. On the Hunger Games movies, the first of which was a very decent mm. uh, cinema experience, but the last one was that month's worst film I ever saw when, oh, I, when wow. I saw it. I, 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 Did you ever see Mockingjay Part 2? I no. gave up on the second one. Yeah. After the second one was just exactly the same as the first, but half as good, I was just like, there's nothing more for me here. Mm. But, I think uh, I only saw the first one but ages ago. There's this kind of little subgenre of films which I, I don't know what you'd call them, but, but they're like American films about Russia, mm. which kind of tap into the sort of the relationship between the two countries. And they're always called like red something. So you mm. have like Red Heat, which is about Arnold Schwarzenegger is a Russian cop who goes to America and Red Dawn, which is like Russians invading, uh, invading West, America. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what's the film's attitude to Russia in this oh, film? Oh, Russia doesn't come looking really good. At right. all. Yeah. At it all. rarely does in these there's films. A, yeah. There's a line in the film that kind of sums up the attitude to the film where someone's like, I always wonder why Russian women look so good and older men look like crap in Russia. And that kind of sums up, like, it's very full of, like, those cliches. I don't think there are any good Russian characters, like, pretty much. So you much. can tell that it's an, an, very much like an American film. Yes, you can tell. I mean, I don't know if it's shot in Russia, but it's, like, really not positive <laughs> towards Russia at all mm. and not even towards like the awesome spies because the spies they are treated like dirt by their bosses so it's like it's very grim are the ballet scenes convincing at least they're okay because I think one of the ballet dancers that we see is the actual ballet dancer who was actually in Murdoch oh. Express oh really yeah I think it's I didn't check that I'm pretty sure it is okay. like, I mean he looks the same and he's just playing a ballet dancer in the film so he's convincing bingo yeah. but she, she looks like a ballet dancer does she um, she's fine yeah okay. and we, I mean it's only one scene like we don't see her much doing it okay I think it's interesting that her career has taken a bit of a sort of, mm. you know, she's doing these quite extreme adult films yeah. now. I and think she's a very, I've, I'm always like, even Mother, which I hate, I think this movie's horrible. I think she's amazing in it. Like, mm. I always love watching her in films. So I loved Mother. Well. Yeah. Well. Curious, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but, I, but I do enjoy watching her. I think she's really, oh. even in that film, in Real Sparrow, she's very convincing. I mean, except all the whole thing with the accents. Everyone in the film is doing Russian accents, even though they're not Russian. Uh-huh. The accents are not convincing, and some of them do them more than than others, and so some of them give up after a while. But you don't really—I mean, I, I don't really care about that. Okay, her next picture is going to be another David O. Russell affair. Oh. They previously did *Silver Linings Playbook* and then *Joy*, Joy. Joy. but Which there was I another one Joy. in between. I See, I, I wasn't on board that whole *Joy* thing. Oh, they did *American Hustle*. *American Hustle*, which again I thought was wildly overrated. I didn't like American Hustle. No. Okay, but I Joy, <laughs> Joy is I, th- I think underrated. Joy Do you think? Nice. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. All right, Elena, it's just you for scores, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, I mean, Anticipation. I don't know, like free uh-huh. because well, I don't know. I mean, it looked like Atomic Blonde, but then the trailers don't, so I was intrigued, but not wild about it. Enjoyment. I don't know, like between two and three because it's quite boring, and I mean, in the end, it's actually quite sexist, like. I mean, they, they do all those like comments about like sexual violence and power dynamics, which I think are a bit forced. And the film still does get away with a lot of stuff. So, like, yeah, between two and three, and in retrospect, yeah, two, three. But still, I, I would give it a little like bonus because it's quite interesting that this film exists at all. It's not like anything we see now. It's not like the most explosive action film that's coming out. Not everyone's going to rush to cinema to see it. It's kind right. of a niche audience, I guess, that could go see that, but. I yes, don't know. So. It's quite a big thing with Jennifer Lawrence and, and that whole kind of spy thing. I think a lot of people. But it's really dark and grim. Yeah, and, and but you don't find that until they've locked you in the cinema, though. I don't know. I mean, even the trailer doesn't oh, really? look like. 
The cast is very impressive. Charlotte Rampling, Joel Edgerton, Kieran Hines, Jeremy Irons, Jolie Richardson. Yeah, Jolie Richardson plays her mom. Oh, really? Russian. Huh. Really weird. <laughs> that is curious. I mean, she's fine. She's convincing. It's just when you know it's George Richardson, it's a bit like, oh, okay. Well, from hearing your, your um, review, mm-hmm. I would say my anticipation is still probably about three. Right. Because I, I think it if could go either way. If you have two hours 30 to spare and you're a bit interested in Jennifer Lawrence's career and this weird movie, then go see it. There you go. A ringing endorsement from (laughs) Elena. Next up, we'll find out what you'll think of A Fantastic Woman, Un Mujer Fantastico. Marina, a transsexual woman who works as a waitress and moonlights as a nightclub singer, has a relationship with an older man, but when he suddenly takes ill, she's faced with hostility from his family and the world at large. David, this movie's got wondrous reviews. How did you find it? Oh, man, I wish you hadn't said that. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm maybe not so on board with the sort of general consensus towards this movie, to be honest. Um, I actually saw it in Berlin the previous year, where it was kind of touted as one of the big films. I don't think it ended up winning any prizes in the end, which, which again, was another sort of disappointing move from the Berlin jury. It's fascinating in that you've got that it's a film that centres on this trans woman in Santiago. And, uh, yeah, she's in this relationship with an older guy and um, he suddenly dies in the first scene, has a heart attack and dies. And it's about his legacy, it's about his will, it's about where his property goes and uh, how much was she a part of his life. Mm. Which is, you know, I think quite an interesting setting because it is, you know, it's, it's relevant now. It's a discussion point that even in America now with questions about, you know, bathrooms, it's like, you know, which they seem to love to have, you know. Mm. Um you know, it's like, well, how do we make those decisions? So, Well, specifically, it's um, her right to grieve and her whole identity and whether that almost ceases to exist because she doesn't fit into one gender or, or another. Absolutely, yeah. Um, which I thought was a really interesting subject, but I didn't actually find the film that interesting. And I think for me, one of the issues was that because it happened so early on, the bereavement, the kind of defining event in the whole momentum of the plot, I never really got too emotionally connected to her before this became a film about her kind of ploughing her way through an incredibly hostile environment. So it's just, it's a film about a woman frowning with lots of people being relentlessly quite unpleasant to her, which was, you know, upsetting and and sad that that clearly is the situation for people in her position. But emotionally, it didn't really help me to connect with her. I think that was interesting, actually, because I had the same, I wasn't really emotionally connected to her, just in the sense I don't like when people are suffering. Mm. I was that way I was, but not like the way you would expect. But um, I thought that was quite interesting, because then you got to find out stuff about her through what she did, like the way she deals with people attacking her. You're like, oh, she must have had a long history of having to do this. And she worked out ways to avoid being hurt she worked out what she cares more like does she care more about replying to those horrible people or insulting her or does she care more about her own not being beaten and stuff Mm. and so she just walks she just goes away and the way she's so strong in the sense that these horrible things happen and she knows that she doesn't want to cry right now and be sad right now because she's alone and she won't be able to do it properly until she manages to like actually be with to the funeral and stuff. I just thought that that just showed so much of like her own understanding of what she deserves. And it was really moving in that way because it was very powerful the way she didn't have to say anything or to do anything 
to just actually like spell out those things, but you can feel them through her acting, which is amazing. And just the way the film is constructed, it's really like she will not stop fighting until she gets to have a proper grieving moment and I thought that was quite powerful For me I never quite reached that cathartic moment I guess. My issue with the film is you've got this really interesting character and unique in some ways in that it's the decision to focus on her rather than him and you know the way round that the story has gone like firstly I felt that the film is just relentlessly asking you to pity this person rather than actually relate to them like you just get a lot of sort of generic evil people who are very single shade they're just set in their ways. There is no kind of like sense of acceptance. They're just awful, bigoted people. And there's just kind of this relentless parade of them. By the end, you kind of start to feel like, well, there doesn't feel anything really specific about this situation. What if it had been like just, a, you know, a woman or, you know, someone else who was oppressed, you know, like um, a person of colour or something? You know, it's it's it felt like mm-hmm. a character going through a very sort of standardised bullying procedure Mm. but I totally get what you're saying about you know it's more about her kind of defense tactics that she's built up over the years and you know I I do like the the idea that what you're seeing in this film is a kind of fragment of of a life which actually speaks of much more I mean there is yeah there is this kind of like question about there was a plan for them to go on holiday and it's kind of scuppered by him dying and um you know, that old chestnut. But um, there's a really, te- like, I found very corny ending where it's a kind of, like, almost like Pulp Fiction's What's in the Suitcase kind of moment, you know, um, that just was like, why is this even here? But, um, but I thought there were loads of really corny things in the film. Like, like the bit this- when she turns on the radio and it plays yes. Natural yeah. Woman. Yeah. And like, and I, <laughs> yes. I understand that that's some, I mean, that is quite a weird choice to make and it can make you feel like she's a, it's a big cliche. But I thought that was part of, like, the wild, like, really energy and, like, sense of total acceptance of the film where she's like, I have the right to listen to that song Mm -hmm. and maybe it's a bit cheesy, but I I really like it. It makes me feel that way. And I have the right to have this really intense, like, fantastic sequence. I mean, fantastic, fantastical Mm -hmm. fantasy sequence with, like, glitter and stuff. And I I thought it was... I didn't think it was meant... Or I didn't perceive it as a, a way to reduce this transgender woman to just oh, she feels like a real woman. Like, no, no. I thought it was really, like, about her, about this just wild energy and, like, she just wants to do that. And I, I, thought, I thought it was really, like, really beautiful, actually. Oh, yeah? Okay. In, in a very weird way. Like, you're just watching, you're like, wow. She's, I guess this, this is weird, but also kind of amazing. I don't know. One of my major bugbears, I think it might be yours as well, movies that have songs that are obvious, like, comments on the action. Well, like this the, one was so obvious that I felt it was on purpose. Well, Switch I believe off. I'm right in saying that in Little White Lies headquarters that any London film that begins with London Calling... Yeah. <laughs> yes, is, is, is oh, of course, list. yeah, London Calling in Atomic Blonde was pretty awful. Oh, yes. When they go to London and then London Calling plays. There was another bit in this film which I, I felt I could see a little bit the hand of the director wandering into frame, was when she's walking along in the mirror. Yeah, these two men are, are carrying a distorting mirror and stop right in front of her so that... But it was quite nice when the mirror then disappears and suddenly the screen changes without a cut because the mirror's... But anyway, uh, David, what marks do you give a fantastic woman? I'd probably give it Anticipation 4 because I directed Sebastian Lelio. His previous film is a film called Gloria, mm. which is a really nice film. I don't know if you got you saw it. Um, so yeah, I had sort of high expectations for this one, so... Um, 
but yeah, I'd probably go four three three. I mean, it had some nice stuff in it, but it just didn't quite. I wanted more from this this story, this、mm. setup, this character as well, and it just didn't really deliver. And maybe like two in retrospect. Yeah, Elena.、Um, well, I didn't actually. I didn't know about the director before, so、uh, and I saw the Berlin Alley just kind of like because it was there. So anticipation. I don't know. Maybe three four because it looked like an interesting story. Enjoyment between three and four because it was still a very odd experience. I didn't really know what to do with my with the way I felt about it. And in retrospect, maybe I will go between three and four again because I actually want to see it again because、okay. I'm curious because there've been so many people commenting on how the film is like just not okay in the way it shows like transgender people and the cliches and stuff. And obviously, well, I was thinking that it was a, tr- yeah. a cliched. Yeah, just just that it's like obviously made by someone who doesn't really. Care about transgender people and、it's、doesn't understand、really、the experience. I'm open to <laughs> discussions, so I would like to see it again, just in the light of the stuff. So I'd like to see it again to just see what I. There's I actually a、different. really interesting review of the film on a website called the Nashville Scene.、Mm. They've run a review of of the film by a trans woman, and it's really fascinating to read because、mm. it's kind of picking up on a lot of interesting、yeah. details. Would you say it's fascinating to read before you see the film, or see the film and then see the film and then then、okay. read it? Yeah. All right. All right. Or, or the other options is,、yeah. is don't, of course.、Uh, my anticipation it would, would be three, and I think two and, and and two. I feel a bit guilty about saying that because it's it's obviously a very sad story and a topic that can't get enough exposure. But yes,、uh, hey, let's see how our next movie fares. Game night. Game night is a suspense comedy about a group of uber competitive friends whose game night turns into a real life murder mystery. As a simulated reality game staged as if it was a matter of life and death, turns out to be just that. Here's a moment when Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, as the games playing couple at the heart of the movie, try and beat Jason Bateman's charismatic brother Brooks, played by Carl Chandler. Come on, guys, and kick it up. Oh, it's easy. Annie,、uh, the famous actor that we met at the airport about eight years ago. Who? Only actor we've ever met at an airport who's famous. Bobby Flay? Not an actor. This fellow was in front of us at the Sbarro. We were wondering why he wasn't in the first class lounge. Oh yes, yes. Who was that? God damn it, Max. There's a whole room of people to help you out here. Who's us? Good point.、Uh, the, the, he was a, a Incredible Hulk. Eric, Eric Banner. Other one. Um, Mark Ruffalo. Other one, Lou Ferrigno. Primal Fear. Richard Gere never played the Incredible Hulk. Time. Ned Norton. Oh, oh shit! Primal Fear.、Oh. Elena、mm-hmm. was directed by the team of John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who were co-writers on Horrible Bosses, and you can see that kind of lineage in this film. Is that fair? Well, I haven't seen Horrible Bosses, but、okay. I know it stars Jason Bateman.、Right? That's true.、So. Yeah, and all Jason Bateman films are the same. So that's not true. I thought this one actually was surprisingly good-natured and well-meaning,、uh-huh. and I was quite pleased by that. Yes, I, I think at the beginning, before you get、um, so the story is we do this game night, and then turns out someone, the brother Brooks, played by Carl Chandler, who is one of my favorite people in the world. I love him, Coach Taylor. He's the best. What's Coach Taylor? Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. Oh right.、Okay. He's also absolutely gorgeous, and I wish he was my dad. He's amazing. So he, but in、dad? this film, well, I, that's the ambiguous relationship, right? right? right. We don't know. He's just so perfect. Yeah. And so in the film, Cal Chandler Brooks 
stages a special game night where he's staging this elaborate thing where one of them is going to be captured by some bad guys and then the cops are going to come and they all have to solve the mystery, but it's fake. And so what happens after a while is that obviously there's a, there are real kidnappers who come and take out Chandler away. And the humor comes from this contrast between those regular people being thrown into this action movie situation. And that's very funny. I think all the jokes in after this happens are really, really funny. And like when I watched the trailer, I asked David, can I review this film? I think it's hilarious. But all the jokes before that, I thought were a bit weak. Now, this and is I interesting. Was kind of, I was kind of like. So you found the second scared. half of the movie funnier than the first yes for me it was the inverse for oh wow the, the humor in the first half and especially when there's that kind of period of dramatic irony where the characters think they are in a in a staged environment and are acting with the kind of wild bravado of people who think they're just playing some kind of role-playing game but are actually in deadly danger that bit i thought was particularly piquant yes and that and what's immediately after that as well but just all before that literally uh-huh. everything before so with the funny neighbor played by Jesse Plemons who's brilliant who is huh? also in Friday Night Lights yeah. so is the reunion but anyway Landis that, I thought, yeah and Landis yeah. I thought yeah. all that bit was not funny at all and I was really, really scared I thought he was hilarious oh, he was hilarious Plemons. afterwards but like yeah he's amazing <gasps> that first scene with him and the dog yeah it's just masterful I was like oh my god this is going to be amazing yeah Plemons the first was, ever scene yeah oh god where they first see him mm, it was hilarious funny. and terrifying yeah, I, I, I didn't... See, I think the thing weird. is, you might not be a game nerd or a very competitive quiz person. <laughs> and also, you might not have freaky neighbours. And I tick all those boxes. Right. So for me, the first hour, which is very much making jokes, playing, riffing on those kind of attitudes and those kind of social awkwardnesses, if that's a word, have you I really enjoyed that. Have you a relationship built on a mutual love of board games? I mean, no, it's, it's a classic I, scenario I, that we can, all, you know, we can all relate to. You know? <laughs> right. I think the central conceit of this film is brilliant. And while it stays in the parameter of that conceit, I thought it was truly excellent. And I'm I'm slightly perturbed about how I'm going to rate it now because a film that starts off a bit iffy and then gets good, you can recommend. But one that you really enjoy the first hour of and then it kind of tails off, I'm not sure whether you, you still can say go and see it. You can say just walk off after an walk hour. Walk off after <laughs> an hour. Yeah. Well, so you liked the end but not the beginning. You liked the beginning, not the end. I was like, I liked little fragments all the way through. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's nice. So like, I liked, I liked individual scenes only. Um, especially, I, th- I mean, Plemons I thought was just like give this guy a spin-off movie because this is this is incredible. He's an amazing actor. Well. It's weird because I'd seen him in a bunch of stuff but never seen him do something like this before where he's kind of very... He's always like that guy in the background and he's mm-hmm. never really kind of part of the central drama. Whereas this, it was like he was kind of commanding the screen when he was on it. Jason Bateman was basically doing Jason Bateman as he does and if you like that, then, you know, fine. But... I actually thought Rachel McAdams was really funny. Yes. There's a sequence w- which involves a kind of, I guess you'd call it a back alley medical procedure mm. after a kind oh, of yes, after a sort really of nice. snafu, and uh, <laughs> she's kind of trying to do this thing that she's reading up on, like Wikipedia, about how to perform this uh, a, a quite a major operation. I think it would be, and uh, it's really well done. It's like a kind of innocence mm. that that really harks back to like the sort of classic era of Hollywood. Like, it's like you know, a like, real honesty in her acting. It's a very kind of screwbally performance, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought she was really good. Mm. Um, all the side characters as well, their friends like mm. acquitted themselves. Yeah, the Denzel oh, Washington right. joke, hilarious. No? Oh, yes. oh, the Je- Denzel Washington <laughs> thing was very funny. But by the end, I kind of thought that 
you know that idea of like is it a game is it not i mean i almost wish that the ball hadn't dropped as early yeah. as it did and well that, okay now that that's because there's a there's a moment in the film where jason bateman observes of something pick a tone and it was a funny line at the time but i, I think it kind of applies to the movie because they set themselves up and the way that the titles are done they use a lot of tilt shift pictures to kind of set up this notion mm-hmm. of the whole story being essentially a game but it's almost like halfway through they just start making up their own rules and whilst it exists within the original rules I thought it was it was better having said that we all clearly really enjoyed this mm. film so were, I think there were so many scenes and jokes that were really really good and mm-hmm. I think I, mean, I want these people to make more films because I think it's like there are little mistakes in the film that I think oh you could fix that whatever but I think it's so promising for yeah. more it's kind of a different kind of American comedies it's not snarky in the way that so many other comedies are, and it's just really refreshing. Okay. So I'm really excited if they make another comedy like that. All right, you should see Horrible Bosses then, because you, you probably... Yeah, I wasn't that taken with Horrible Bosses, and I think that the Bateman low point for me was Identity Thief. I don't know if you ever caught no. that one. That was pretty bad. But I'm a massive Arrested Development fan, mm. so he is a kind of... He'll always have a pass for me. It's the, probably the second greatest TV show, now, after Friday Night Lights. <laughs> so to have, the, have them together on one screen is, is a real treat. <laughs> yeah. The, the cast is is crazy. It's like so many of my interests. Sharon Horgan mm. from Catastrophe, she's incredible. And I was so happy that she was there. Everyone should watch Catastrophe, by the way. It's a British TV show. All right then, Elena. What numbers? Anticipation, I would like go four because I was really excited about it. Uh, enjoyment, I would say three because I was quite taken aback at the beginning. I thought it was really like, not very funny. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I will say four because... There aren't many films that me love that much. Like I was by myself with no friend. I'm like laughing by myself. It was great. And I'm just really excited that it exists and that there are going to be more, maybe be more films like this. I, I just, yeah. The idea of a sequel has been mooted. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Sorry. My anticipation would be very low because actually, like maybe the ones or the twos, because I saw the trailer for this and it was like, I just had no idea what was happening. Like what? <laughs> because they've tried to force the whole film into the trailer and they pretty much do yes and all it's, the best jokes in the and, trailer so if you can be, avoid watching and because the trailer. it's such a sort of and then this happens it's, it's a complex setup mm. but they've tried to sort of like boil it down to, into a nutshell for the trailer and it just like it makes it look like 10 films have been like welded together mm. but then so but lot. then it was a three star I wouldn't go so far as to say it was good but I had I think I had an enjoyable <laughs> time there I'd literally forgotten it by the time I'd sort of stood Mm. up and put my hat and coat on so yeah not a bad thing in the moment fine so in retrospect probably three as well it's a (laughs) film that I think wouldn't be harmed if you had a few port and lemons beforehand one of the early editions of Truth and Movies one of the tests of a good movie was whether you would watch it on a plane or not and I think this would be perfect for watching on a plane short haul very good time on a plane yeah nice okay yeah, I'll go along with that. I think anticipation high for me. Watching it mostly high. Retrospect high. Nice. Great. Go and see it. Uh, next up, Little White Lies Film Club presents King of New York. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A drug kingpin, played by Christopher Walken, is released from prison and seeks to take control of the criminal underworld in the Big Apple in order to give back to the community. Here is Christopher Walken spelling it out to a member of the criminal fraternity. I got your message, Ollie. You stupid son of a bitch. You running games here? I want to play. Sure, Frank, play. Bring your friends. Nah, I want to play with Artie. Come on, let's go, will you? Jump deals. Blackjack house out. Hey, hey. We got some balls coming here. Okay. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. A nickel bag is sold in the park. I want in. You guys got fat while everybody starved on the street. It's my turn. Now, we've not got long, and there's plenty to say about this film, so should we just crack straight into what listeners thought about it? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, I'm going to go for this sort of long one at the top then by Angus Davis. So Davies... Be sure oh, to him pronounce. again. Yes, Angus Davies. Interesting, this one. Kind of sort of hard to pin down or decide whether I liked it or not. I thought it was a treat for the opening scenes of Walken's exit from jail, with the closely mic'd footsteps and gravelly hushed dialogue reminding me of the mumble noir world of Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye. What followed, thrilled and disappointed in equal measure, I wasn't sold on Walken's crime boss bravado and Fishburne's hopped-up gangster felt forced and unconvincing. Me and Angus, I don't think we can be friends. You, <laughs> the thing you like most about this film is Jimmy Jump. I mean, Jimmy Jump is... This may sound hyperbolic, but I think he might be the greatest character in the history of narrative cinema. See, I don't know. If, you, <laughs> if you'd said that at the time, I could understand it. But having seen Lawrence Fishburne in so many films since, to divorce your knowledge of his kind of thespian identity from his performance as this B-boy back then, it's a bit like seeing, I don't know, Patrick Stewart turn up and try and do a grime or something. It just felt wildly out of place and, and a little bit patronising as well. I think there is meant to be a kind of larger-than-life element to his character in this mm. film. I mean, just to sort of um, add some context here, he plays the kind of loyal, not bodyguard, but like first in command mm-hmm. of... Uh, lieutenant. Lieutenant. Right? Let's mm-hmm. call him a lieutenant for Christopher Walken's drug lord. And just to add also, the reason why we're kind of talking about this film is because on Little White Lies, 
we're doing this kind of thing on like the birth of like hip hop in movies. Oh yeah, he symbolizes this. It's like a kind of taking the classic Scorsese gangster movie and fusing it with like hip hop and sort of saying, is this is this going to be the way forward? Are these sort of clans going to have to kind of come together in their kind of criminal endeavours? His performance in this film is like, he's like the best ever Joker. I mean, he's like, yeah. none of the people who have played the Joker could ever be as close to how terrifying and how kind of... Charismatic. Charismatic he is as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. There's this amazing scene where he goes that he, he's he's sort of going into this like chicken shop and he's like ordering chicken, oh, yes. and the guy behind the counter sort of says, is, is, tells these kids to get away from the arcade machines, and then he just sort of goes over to the to, to this old woman with the kids and starts throwing money on the table. Goes, yeah, you go play, and he and peels off notes and gives them to her. And there is a kind of like you know, it's an incredible performance, and and it's just so terrifying every time he's on the screen. There is like this promise of hair trigger violence or something gonna happen soon. Okay. I love it. It's kind of like the entire film's mood as a person because the film is I think it's such a weird film. Like because there are all <laughs> these bits that it's like a classic gangster story. Like uh -huh. oh he Frank White, Chris Walken just comes out of jail. No, he's not a changed man, he just wants to kill all the other gangsters so he can be the king of New York. Well he Great. is changed in that he wants to now go straight, but then he has but to he, he has to, to do straight, but he basically yeah. has to get all the bad people onto his to, side. In order to first, get straight. So. Yeah. Anyway. And um also just the way it's made, like the the editing is crazy and the dialogue, like everything is so over the top mm. in a funny way. It's just so exaggerated. One scene in the film that happens is Lawrence Fishburne goes to see another gangster and he gives him a, a suitcase that's supposed to be full of money, I think. Yep. And the guy opens the suitcase and it's full of Tampax and he says, what is this for? And he says, it's for the bullet holes. <laughs> and then and you think about it, it's like someone had to go buy like 10 boxes of Tampax to fill, fill that suitcase. It's true. Just for that line. And it's just like that kind of sums up the entire film when uh -huh. you have all those like really over the top things that are horrible, but also like really funny because they're so absurd. And that just the entire film is that way. So you just watch it and there are so many lines of dialogue or exaggerated things. Like the way Christopher Walken at some point shoots a guy, he just like he's upset at him. So he just shoots him. And then he talks to the other gangster saying, oh, if you, if you don't do uh, what I ask, you're going to be like that. And he just shoots the guy again like three times just from a distance, like with such disdain. It's like a video game for them. It's like, oh, it's, his it's so amazing. Well. Anyway, were there any other comments from listeners? Ian Harris, I think on... On Facebook said, I think easily Ferrara's best work. It is accessible to all, but still holds enough of his cynical outhouse vibe for his hardcore fans. Plus, Walken has rarely been better. I think the thing about the outhouse vibe, cynical outhouse vibe, is very much there. Uh -huh. It's just like there are no really redeemable characters. Everyone's horrible. That's kind of what I love about it, actually. Just, yeah, it's a obviously. film that just exists in this really weird space in that it's not quite a gangster film, it's not a hip-hop film, it feels like a Western sometimes, it feels like a, an action movie, like... it feels like, an, like a really sort of weird, contemplative mm. New York art movie. But also not really contemplative at yeah, all. Yeah, well, well, I mean, you know, but you have, like, <laughs> the like... Lawrence Fishburne's character who's, like, loud and brash, and then you mm. have, like, Walken who's, like, this kind of... You know, he never smiles, he, never, he doesn't really show any emotion, he's just... Every time he tries to smile, it's just the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It is just very strange, yeah. <laughs> but I just love the fact that it's kind of a film that is super, super, super hard to peg down. Yeah. And like the act of trying to peg it down and maybe it kind of eluding you to the end mm. is just, I love it. I feel that its attempts to be a kind of a, a gritty urban drama ultimately undermined by its incredible flamboyance and extravagance. 
No, I think that kind of that's what's amazing it about with it because it keeps you mm. surprised. If it was just greedy, it would be kind of like classic and boring. But I think I quite like there are, there are bits in the film that it just looks like a Roxy music music video because yeah, it's so or beautiful. Or a sci-fi film. Yeah, and it's just you don't really know. It's just that there's this insane level of class that Christopher Walken and all these criminals have, but also like they're just so violent and funny and stupid and like crazy. The crazies, like I don't know of, of any other it. word to describe. I love it for all those reasons. Exactly. Right. Another, any other comments to finish off with? Bianca B. Gardner. I quite enjoy it. It's a bit of an underrated crime thriller with an excellent performance by Walken. Chris Lawrence. It's been a while since I've seen it. VHS brackets, but I love its rawness. And Mackenzie, bit cheat round the edges. However, Walken keeps it interesting enough to get past that. Right. Wow. That was certainly for me an, a left field choice. I, I wonder what we're proposing for next week's film club. Well, I believe for next week, in celebration of the Oscars... Oh, yeah. Which I'm Terms guessing... Terms of endearment, is it? <laughs> and the best picture is... Um, so we're going to do an, an Oscar film, and we've actually... Oh. We've asked oh. people to nominate their favourite best picture winner. All right. And um, by oh, yeah. something of a country mile, we've landed on the film One Clue Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Really? Have you seen that, oh, Elena? Yeah, yeah. Okay. ages ago. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that next week. Brilliant. Okay. So, Nice one. Mr. McMurphy, huh? your medication. What's in the horse pill? It's just medicine. It's good for you. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of taking something if I don't know what it is. Don't get upset, Mr. McMurphy. I'm not getting upset, Miss Pilbo. It's just that I don't want anyone to try and slip me saltpeter. You know what I mean? Murphy doesn't want to take his medication orally. I'm sure we can arrange that he can have it some other way. But I don't think you'd like it, Mr. McMurphy. You'd like it, wouldn't you? Well, give it to me. Good. Yeah, well, there'll be some Oscar reactions and chat mm. next week as well. Probably, yes. Hannah Woodhead uh-huh. is going to be uh, doing the late shift for Little White Lies and offering some uh, a live live, live commentary okay. of, of the Oscars. <laughs> so if you fancy some uh, midnight movie action, then... And that's uh, at uh, littlewhitelies.com. Indeed. Brilliant, okay. Now, also on the agenda next week are You Were Never Really Here and Sweet Country, which are coming out that Friday, so we'll be talking about those. Do get watching One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and let us know your thoughts at truthandmovies at tcolondon.com, on Twitter at LWLies or via Facebook. That, though, is it for this edition of Truth and Movies. Many thanks to Elena and to David. This has been a seven-digital production. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 